Thank you for tuning in to Art to Heart, where I delve into the creative minds of the artists in the Fort Wayne area. Each episode sheds light on the thoughts, feelings, and backgrounds of the artisans who bring pizzazz to Fort Wayne. Tune in for tips on tapping into your creative soul and for information about upcoming events in the arts community. Today I am joined by sculpture artist Gregory Mendez. I was introduced to Greg by one of my former Art to Heart guests, Alexandra Hall. Alex and Greg met through a photographer that works with Greg on the Decatur Sculpture Tour, an annual walking tour that features artwork from local artists, as well as those from around the country. Greg has created several pieces that have permanent homes in Indiana. He enjoys collaborating with other artists and also travels with his work. And I found out recently that he did a sculpture of another one of my former Art to Heart guests, Tracy Tritz. As you can tell, he is a busy bee. I'm really looking forward to learning more about his work, both artistically and about all that he does for the arts community in Indiana. Hi, Greg. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me up. So you were introduced to sculpture art at a young age. How did that come about? Well, I grew up down in Decatur, uh, living out in the country, and we didn't have a lot of neighbors. I started taking an interest in art at a pretty young age. I want to say probably eight, nine, ten. And we, the one neighbor that we did have uh, happened to be a, a very awesome sculptor. Her name was Helen Bisher, and she lives in Decatur. She, uh, my parents actually got me art lessons at a young age from uh, Helen Bisher. And that was uh, really how it all started as far as just a, a nice early introduction to the whole realm of art, uh, specifically sculpture. She's, she's a fantastic figurative sculptor. and I, I think the stars just aligned and, and everything worked out perfect that she just happened to live across the street. So it was very easy for me to walk across the street and learn from her, which is neat because you can now see her art uh, featured in the uh, public art program down in Decatur that I'm also involved with called the Decatur Sculpture Tour. Mm -hmm. I just learned about the Decatur Sculpture Tour, and I'm fascinated by it, and (laughs) it's something that everybody in Fort Wayne should definitely check out. So as a kid getting introduced to sculpture art, I mean, I don't know anything about it, so I'm just picturing that she gave you some Play-Doh and, like, (laughs) tell us a little bit more about what that's like. Well, she she works mainly in ceramics, so she had her own kiln, and yet close to Play-Doh, it was was clay, so I I got introduced to sculpture in the the form of clay, which Mm -hmm. uh, seems a little bit advanced for a young person. (laughs) Now that I look back at some of my my pieces, it was was not advanced. (laughs) It was very simple. So she's a very very patient individual for being willing to work with a a young person like that. Uh, As far as the interest in the art getting developed, that's the more I get asked about it, the more I think about it, which means the more the answer changes. Uh, More specifically, I was at two opposite ends of the spectrum. I was pretty heavily involved with athletics when I was younger, specifically amateur boxing. And that required a lot of traveling once Mm -hmm. you got into the more competitive levels. So when we were traveling uh, to a a boxing match, it it would be out of state quite often, and you would weigh in in the mornings and have a lot of time to kill throughout the day. So uh, my parents would oftentimes take me to a, a park or a gallery and... Parks were, were more were actually more interesting because the, you could be outside and it was just kind of an open environment. But right. the, the better parks were the ones that had public art in them, mm. uh, specifically sculpture. So I, I think that's actually where 
I got more of the interest in what I'm doing now, being involved with public art mm-hmm. and sculpture came from. Is truly being immersed in mm-hmm. it as a kid. Yeah. That's great. What intrigues you about 3D art versus 2D art? It's more involved in my mind. Like I said, I, I was involved really heavily with athletics as a young person, so that in itself kind of translates over into sculpture. It, mm-hmm. it, you get more involved. Uh, it's more physical. And I, I think you, the end product just allows whoever's looking at it to interact with it a mm-hmm. lot more than, than a two-dimensional piece because in sculpture you get to look at the piece in the round and really from different angles. Uh, it could be from several hundred yards away or elevated up on something. There's just so many different aspects to sculpture that, in my mind, just kind of keep you on your toes and make it a little bit more interesting for me. Yeah. We all must put time into our craft. How long did it take you to realize your talents and work towards your full potential as an artist? Well, I don't know if there was ever a time where I really truly realized, oh, I have a talent at this. <laughs> I, I think I was fortunate, well, I know I was fortunate enough to grow up with a good family. So it didn't matter what I did. My parents always encouraged me to do something I had an interest in and always provided me with just about every opportunity they were able to. So I, I obviously took an interest in sculpture at an early age, and then that, that interest was, was kind of revisited later in my teenage years. So uh, going back to, I, I don't know if I necessarily developed or came to this realization that I had a talent for it as much as I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of more of a matter of putting my time in and kind of fine-owning the, the skills needed to see each project from beginning to end. Right. And I know you mentioned that you had a very supportive family, and now I think your brother is also dabbling in the arts a little bit. He is. He's just he's, – he is now – kind of really on his own, doing his own his own body of work and his own thing. He worked with, I want to say with me, but he definitely kind of acted as my apprentice in, mm-hmm. in my shop for about the last five years and uh, recently has take, taken an interest of his own into to creating his own body of work. So he's he's has the same support group that I have, and now with the public art programs kind of popping up all over the place, a lot of these public artists are coming to Fort Wayne or to my shop to visit with me or just in passing through. We're going to the same shows. So he's been introduced to a, a pretty high caliber of sculpture artists over the past several years. So he has his own separate influences that, that he's he's come about. That's got to be pretty cool to watch. It is. It's big, very neat. big brother. Yeah, I've, I've had the, I've had the pleasure of watching his his work progress from beginning to now a more advanced level, and it's, it's it is a treat in itself. Yeah, that's great. What kind of mediums do you use to create your work? I mainly work with steel, stock steel. Mm-hmm. Everything that I purchased, and I, I say everything. There's definitely no absolutes. Uh, I do use found object from time to time, but for the most part, everything that I use comes in some way, shape, or form, just the raw form. I start with a 20-foot bar of quarter-inch round rods or a 20-foot bar of a flat, one-inch wide piece, sheet metal, and each one of those raw pieces that I start with get cut up really into very, very small pieces and then pieced back together. So it's kind of, it's taking the long way to get to somewhere. Yeah. Can you walk us through your creation process? Basically, I start with raw material, which would be a lot of round rods, anything I can create lines out of, and those all get cut up into anywhere from 
two inches long to eight inches long. Mm -hmm. Each rod gets shaped in some some manner, whether it's uh, through a jig or by most of it's by hand. And uh, like bending it, bend, bending really? Yep. Okay. Uh, over the years, I, I know what pieces I like to use the most, so I've mm -hmm. I've been able to make my own jigs that I can fish them through and then okay. bend them by hand, which keeps me in shape. Yeah. The end product. There's a the physical yeah, part. Once all these pieces get put together, they end up weighing over three anywhere from three hundred to eight hundred pounds. Oh so you gosh. do have to be able to manage those at some point. And I obviously don't do it by myself. I <laughs> have a, a, a list of, of uh, guys, friends. yeah, very very strong <laughs> friends that come help me load these and unload these up. But uh, as far as the creation process goes, everything is done by hand. Once the pieces are shaped. Uh, They'll get welded into place, and it, a lot of it starts out as basically an additive, you know, an additive style where you're adding on to a, a shape or a form. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the whole reason that I use all of these lines or, or small pieces is because in the end they're forming some sort of long pattern throughout the piece that's nice and consistent. So it starts out additive, and then once you get to the end, it takes more of a subtractive technique because I've got a grinder out and I'm actually shaping some of these raw forms that I I've created to kind of get more smooth edges and uh, working in the in the realm of public art it's it's not the same setting as a gallery you can count on someone coming up and touching the piece or hanging on it so mm. you definitely want to make them as safe as you can <laughs> mm -hmm. for the general public to interact with right no jungle gyms no so where does your inspiration come from for your work Again, that's a question that the more I get asked, the more it changes. So there's the, there's probably different answers to this. and depends on what answer you're really looking for. Inspiration mm -hmm. as far as other artists' work that, uh, that I enjoy. Uh, a lot of my work tends to be mostly figurative. So obviously, looking back at more of the classical artists, Michelangelo, Bernini, mm -hmm. Canova, I, I pay a lot of attention to a lot of the well-known classical artists right. such as that. I also have had, working in the realm of public art, I, I get to enjoy the privilege of meeting a lot of current artists that are alive <laughs> <laughs> and creating work. And there are, there are quite a few figurative artists that I really like their work specifically. One being uh, someone I was fortunate enough to study under for a little bit when I was in school here at St. Francis. It, his name's Kerry Schaefer. He's a uh, classically trained stone sculptor. Uh, Carrie's been very influential in a lot of my work today. Uh, another artist, Ben Hammond, uh, a figurative artist that I've met uh, from Utah. Uh, he's probably to date one of my favorite artists, uh, regardless of whether I'd met him or not. I, mm -hmm. I really like his work. Uh, so, so that's where a lot of the inspiration comes from other artists that I've seen. Now, as far as the overall feeling or vibe that a, that a sculpture I hope that it comes out, or I hope to convey some sort of message to inspiration. In that sense, really comes, I want to say, from my wife. Mm -hmm. She's always impressing me with the way that she acts and just tackles certain obstacles or always has goals set for herself. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my sculptures have this underlying theme of reaching for something just out of reach mm -hmm. or having some sort of, some sort of movement starting at the ground or starting from where the figure is and, and extending upwards. Oh, I like that. I don't ever want someone to look at my work and to feel sad or depressed or confused. So mm -hmm. I, I, I always tend to gravitate towards doing a figure because we 
easily recognize them mm-hmm. when you see them. And then just the way you position that figure means a lot. Uh, they're, they're really expressive. So if mm-hmm. you, you create something that's kind of hunched over or the head's looking down, you know, it, it, in my mind that gives more of a, a depressed feeling. So most of my figures are, like I said, extending upwards or portraying some sort of movement where they're trying to get to something just out of reach. Beautiful. I love that. And every artist has obstacles that they face. What obstacles do you face as a sculpture artist, as a professional artist? I'd say right off the top of my list, trying to explain to someone (laughs) what I do for a living or or how I make a living. (laughs) It's it's never... uh, it, it, it never comes off very well when someone asks, what do you do? Well, I'm an artist. Yeah. No, what What do you do that's not your hobby? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but as far as, as uh, obstacles running into that you run into as a professional artist, it, it's the same as any other career or, or job that, that someone does. Your equipment that you depend on to get a job done, when that fails or breaks or doesn't do what you expect it to do, that's... That's always a major obstacle, and, yeah. And that happens more often than not. Working with the metal, you know, it's it's just a harsh environment to be working in and and trying to manipulate the steel. So your your equipment does tend to fail, uh, and then there's there's just a lot of extra tasks that come with the whole realm of sculpture, uh, specifically public art. You can spend as long as you want and take as much time as you want making something perfect, but then you have this whole this whole different animal of how am I going to get this loaded onto the trailer and get it to where it needs to be? And then once I get it there, how am I going to get it off the trailer and get, oh it, get it installed? You so, travel yeah. with your strong friends. Right. No, no. <laughs> you mentioned that you collaborated with artist Neil Wiffle, the Englishman that headed up the 10-year Scaliola restoration at the Allen County Courthouse on a sculpture of St. Mary that was installed permanently at St. Mary's Catholic Church about three years ago. Do you enjoy collaborating with other artists? Yes and no. Uh, you know, when you're creating a piece of art, it, it should be something personal to yourself. So mm. sharing that with someone else, it can be tricky. So you need, I, I think it's important to have a good relationship with whatever artist you may or may not be working with if you're going to collaborate with them. That being said, uh, Neil and I have developed a a really good friendship over the past decades so for me to collaborate with him it's it's as if I'm working on a piece by myself we we Mm. communicate really well we we both bring uh, different strengths to a project that the other one may not be as strong in in that specific area so there's a there's a very good ebb and flow when, when him and I work together as far as uh, when we start out something and, and bouncing ideas back and forth and then getting to the whole creation process and then once we get to the final final piece, we, we both generally are on, on the same type of wavelength. Mm-hmm. So uh, specifically working with Neil, yes, I, I enjoy <laughs> collaborating with him. Yeah. And I, I actually work with him so often on pieces that I think I would have a very hard time working with someone else. Mm-hmm. So it's it's... It is something that if, if you are used to working by yourself and you're considering collaborating with another artist, uh, it's, it's definitely something you want to consider bef- before doing that, how, how well communication may, may go through that project. Right. And if, you'll, if you expect to be friends after <laughs> the project. Exactly. <laughs> Very true. 
Was that a commissioned piece or? Yes, yeah. we, we were commissioned by uh, St. Mary's Catholic Church in Decatur to, to create an outdoor sculpture for their Mary Garden. Oh, and beautiful. They had been able to see a lot of Neil's work and my own work through the Decatur Sculpture Tour. So right. they, they knew that they wanted both of us to work together on that specific project because I, we had, had had displayed several pieces that we had collaborated on together down there. Mm-hmm. So it, it was uh, something that was set right from the beginning that him and I would be working together. Yeah. Tell us more about your role specifically with the Decatur Sculpture Tour. Well, I'm on the committee, and this is our fifth year putting up the tour. Uh, specifically what we do the, at the Decatur Sculpture Tour, it's, it's a year-round outdoor sculpture exhibit. Mm-hmm. So each spring we, we put in a set amount of sculptures that are within a walking distance of the courthouse and the whole point of a public art program is to open up some environment that people can come down and enjoy artwork, interact with it on their own schedule. And right. basically any time of the day it's for free. So uh, by leaving that up all year, it really allows people that are coming, passing through the area, the mm-hmm. opportunity to stop in and, and uh, view the sculptures and, mm-hmm. and as, as well as the community in that area gets to enjoy them pretty much all year round. Right. Uh, my role with, with that program specifically, I grew up in Decatur, so okay. I had a, uh, I don't want to say relationship, but I, I knew by name and a lot of the community leaders, so they, they're pretty easy, easily approachable to, mm-hmm. to the idea of a public art program. Five years ago, I started getting involved with public art programs throughout the country mm-hmm. and brought this idea back to Decatur. Hey, this is what I've seen in other cities you guys might want to consider this because of the history of sculpture indicator. Oh, a lot of people yeah. don't know this, and and I might I didn't know this myself until I started working in metal specifically. But a, a sculptor named David Smith was born in the early 1900s indicator, where he hmm. grew up for about 10 years before he moved away. But David Smith is responsible for really modern art in general. A lot of a lot of uh, steel sculptors specifically can trace in some way, shape, or form, trace their influence back to him. Uh, he was the first scul- American sculptor to use welding as a technique to create sculpture. Really? And then from that point, uh, the first to use polished, uh, you know, polished stainless steel and get some sort of pattern in the stainless steel. So today, when we see stainless steel tiles uh, used architecturally, that technique was actually figured out by David Smith, who no was born in Decatur. So figuring all this out and going to some of these public art programs, a lot of artists would say, oh, you're from Decatur, you guys must have a, a lot of uh, David Smith sculptures down uh-huh. there. So, nope, actually none, none whatsoever, and not really a lot of, of uh, public art. So that being uh, part of their history, it was logical for them to start a public art program, which I was able to kind of present this idea to some of the community leaders and get everyone in the same room and get everyone communicating. And uh, about a year later, uh, committee was formed, and the steps were taken to start this public art program. That's incredible. So the sculpture tour was basically your idea? I don't know if I'd say it was my idea, okay. because obviously there's public art programs all over the country, so right. some, someone had this idea, but it, but it, I, the was one able, for I was able to bring yeah. back uh, the thought of, of, of putting that up in Decatur, and I'm just more responsible of getting the right people in the same room together and getting the conversation started. Good for you. And tell us a little bit about why you think 
public art is so important for the growth of our city? Well, the good thing about sculpture specifically in public art is it once something's put in place, it is free, it's free to look at. Right. So you you as the viewer are free to go up and, and view that piece of art anytime you want to, any time of day. It doesn't mm-hmm. cost you anything. You're not in a set environment that some people may not feel comfortable going into, such as a gallery or, or a museum. Those those invite while while I, I enjoy going to those mm-hmm. To those uh, venues, not everyone is as comfortable going into those places to play art critic. Very true. So, the the good thing about public art is it gets it allows everyone the opportunity to go up and engage with the art. We're in a lot of communities today are trying to uh, rejuvenate a historic part of their their town that they're they're trying to remodel or get more traffic into. So. A lot of times the first thing that that city will do is, is put an art public art program in place because that will attract people down to that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the same thing can be said for cities with downtowns that uh, are they need to bring a little bit of life to do the same thing, put a public art program in place, and by default people will kind of flock to the sculptures. And right. uh, since they're down there to look at the sculptures, they may go to whatever stores within the area or, or some sort of walking distance. And then other towns or, or uh, cities that are putting art programs in place are, are purely doing it for the aesthetics, just to add some sort of a visual enhancement to their parks or their downtown area or gateways, entrances. Yeah. So it's just something different to look at. Right. And before we hit record, you and I were just chatting about some of your work. You've had a lot of your pieces now have permanent homes. So I wanted to talk about what it means to have your work permanently displayed, what pieces you do have permanently displayed. Well, yes, er, earlier this spring I I placed several pieces, uh, well, delivered several pieces that were purchased to their permanent homes, Uh, one being at the Hand Mansion Indiana Museum of Art and History in Lafayette. They are putting in a sculpture trail around their museum. Oh, so cool. my pieces is one of the pieces that will be featured on their sculpture trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the template response to that, when you ask <laughs> what what does it feel like to have your artwork put on public display, is, is an honor and a privilege. I've, I've really been trying to get away from that template yeah. response because it's not very personal. It, you know, each piece is different as to how it makes you feel. But I guess it, it, the, the long story short is it really depends on what your personal attachment was to that piece, mm-hmm. where the piece is going, and, you know, what the intention is of that piece. Whoever purchased it, what they're hoping to accomplish with that piece. Right. The piece at the Hand Mansion, even though that's a templated response, that is an honor and a privilege to me. Yeah. It's the Museum of Indiana Art and History. Yeah, it's incredible. I I feel like I did something right that someone other than myself (laughs) appreciated what I I spent some time on and uh, liked it well enough to put it in a museum. More recently, I just placed a sculpture of an angel at a hospital in Owatonna, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Now, that piece has a completely different... I don't know, just its own different type of reward that, that it gives to me personally. The the sculptures in, in their healing garden. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the most part, unless you're inviting a, a newborn into the world, hospitals are not good places to be. Right. So the healing garden is in between their hospice and their hospital. So this angel, like we talked about with most of my work, uh, this angel specifically it has one wing, so it's it has, in my mind, this tie between our life here on Earth and whatever may be waiting for us in the next 
in the next life. Mm -hmm. The angel has a lot of movement and it's, it's obviously moving upwards and forwards. So when you look at this angel from every angle, it has a very uplifting vibe to it. Mm -hmm. So knowing that this piece is in a healing garden where someone may be going that needs some time to themselves or some time to just some time to think, uh, knowing that that's what this piece is there for, that's, again, means that the intention I set out with this piece was realized by someone else, and it, it is going to have the opportunity to hope to give that feeling to hopefully many, many people in the future. Yeah. You had mentioned to me that you try to create work that is uplifting, happy, powerful, and it's just great that you're able to share your interpersonal feelings with those who really need that the most. Yeah, it's it's starting to become a realization that art is powerful. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just something that you're doing as a hobby. It's not just something that you're doing for a paycheck. It it does have the power to convey feelings and messages. And really, the dictionary definition of public art was connect and involve uh, mm. people. So I'm starting to come to that realization that that it's that is what art does, and mm-hmm. it, that's a good thing. Right. So how can we get to the Decatur Sculpture Tour? Just take 27 headed in south of Fort Wayne for about 20 minutes, and you'll run right into Decatur, and you want to go t- to the downtown area. Within about five blocks of their courthouse, you'll start seeing sculptures up on pedestals. That's incredible. And about how many different artists are featured there? Oh, wow. There are about 30 pieces. Including yourself. The, including my own. Yeah. Uh, we've. I want to say we had a roster of over 20 artists this year. Oh, wow. Coming from maybe 10 different states, along with some regional artists. And where can we find you on social media? Not too many places. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we need your strong, heavy lifting friends to also create an Instagram for you. (laughs) There is a a website or a a Facebook page called Cherry Street Studios. Cherry Street Studios, okay. Where can be found. Great. And that's thanks to my friend, Brett, who also helps with uh, the photographs in Decatur. That's great. What upcoming projects do you have that we can look forward to? Well, coming up here shortly in a couple weeks, the University of St. Francis will be unveiling their sculpture garden. They are redoing the art grounds to to support a outdoor sculpture garden. Quite a few of the artists that have been involved with the Decatur Sculpture Tour along with myself will be exhibiting sculptures in their first annual School of Creative Art Sculpture Invitationals and they will really be heading up the the realm of public art programs in in Fort Wayne and, and starting a program here locally. So they'll they'll start doing the same thing that a lot of the other programs are doing where it's putting up pieces for a set amount of time, taking them down, putting new ones up. Way to go, St. Francis. And we can look for that in... September 10th is their opening. Okay. Along with their opening gala. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I learned a lot, and I'm hoping the listeners learned a lot as well. So thanks for sharing your time with me. Thank you for inviting me up. I I always enjoy talking about sculpture. Yeah. Big (laughs) smiles the whole time. It was great. Well, thanks so much. At the beginning of the summer, my husband and I got to go to Italy. We traveled to Rome, Florence, and the Amalfi Coast. And I got to see Michelangelo's work firsthand, which was incredible. And Greg and I had mentioned his work and how inspiring it is and that we both look up to him. So I wanted to read one of my favorite quotes by Michelangelo to finish off today's podcast. The greater danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high, and falling short, 
but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. And that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.